Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host and friend, Reverend Sean McCain, and I'd like to welcome listeners to Sacred Sunday. Sacred Sunday was created just to focus on the tent. This Sunday is a special day to set aside some time for spiritual focus and meditation and prayer. All faiths are welcome, of course. I am a Christian in recovery, and all Bible readings will be out of the Ryrie Study Bible, but of course you may use any Bible you wish. Uh, there's also, uh, if you don't have your Bible, you 
www.biblia.com is an online Bible. And uh, just being very grateful to God, we have ongoing Bible studies every Sunday. And I'm just focused on being my real self and carrying the message given to me. To listen to uh, the show, or you can go online and listen to it, and uh, it, it'll be recorded, and you can also listen to it in archives. Uh, 11 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. The opening music was by Save Vocal Group from the CD Navy Angels by Save. If you want to order a co- copy, contact Save.org. Uh, you can also find them, on face, find them on Facebook. They do live shows. You can listen to free on YouTube, and you can get your CD on Amazon. So this morning, let's focus on our spirituality and our peace and to give peace in our heart and to let go of all the strife that's in the world right now. In the opening prayer, we say together, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For I have the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And you the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Thank you. And we pray for all Christians being persecuted worldwide. Their freedom to worship and lives are in jeopardy. Those whose lives are taken for distorted and evil reasons, they believe they become martyrs. We pray for all those suffering from sick, from sickness of of violence and abuse here at home and abroad, and we also pray for those who are sick in mind and body. We also pray for those who are lonely and uncomforted, they may be comforted, and forgive us, God, for our sins. We pray for those suffering from domestic violence here in their own homes and freedom from addiction of all kinds. Please, God, send your Archangel Michael to watch over everyone and fight against evil and protect all the loved ones and all your angels to watch over everyone. And we also pray, Heavenly Father, that our prayers go out to those who suffer in the world, including the animals that can't speak for themselves. We also pray for the wisdom of our president and the rest of our policy. They may have many decisions to make, and we are praying for all countries for problems worldwide, because it's pretty there. I want to thank you, God. Amen. And we ask this Jesus to bless us. And help us to grow in his care. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And our beloved, we pray that have gone. Many people have gone, uh, passed away this last week. And I want to pray that they rest in peace. And God bless everybody. Okay, happy birthday to everybody has a birthday today. Including uh, Diane Brandon, Gary Hesseltine, Dick Grantchester McCarthy, Paul Astrian Lynn, Becker and Adiva Santos, we wish you a very happy and blessed birthday and a very prosperous year again. If you'd like me to wish anybody a happy birthday or a special announcements, please let me know a little ahead of time. And uh, you can do that by finding me on Facebook, Charlene Simpson McCain. So this morning, we're actually at First Thessalonians chapter 5. And this I've entitled, Like a Thief in the Night. Anyway, today on Sacred Sunday. Let's read the Shmoop, the the Harvard boys that are actually uh, doing these summaries for me. 
And we'd like to thank them very much. And you can go to www.shmoop.com and find all kinds of information, like on Bibles and everything else. So you're welcome to go there. Anyway, this is entitled, You Little Thief. So just when will all this end-of-the-world stuff be going down? We'd like to mark our calendars and try to finish up some movies on our next Netflix queue. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Paul's not telling. And the only clue he does give us is is to say that the big day will come like a thief in the night. In other words, you probably won't be expecting it. When everyone around you starts saying, hey, things are looking pretty good, right? That's when all heck will break loose. Of course, since Christians are always watching for the return of the king, that is Jesus, they're not going to be fast asleep when that thief breaks open their window and tries to creep in their bedroom. They'll be sitting on the corner with their trusty baseball bat ready to give them a good whack. Nope. When that day comes, Christians are going to be wide awake and dressed in the faith, hope, and love. Paul's believers believes that God has destined all of them for salvation. Other folks, not so much. That's where the problem lies. Some advice for the road. Paul tells the Thessalonians that they need to remember that all this when they're feeling down or they've got a case of the Mondays. He also gives them some practical advice. Be respectful of the leaders of the community. Don't fight with each other. Do point out other Christians are doing. Do point out what other Christians are doing wrong thing. But don't repay evil for evil. Be happy. Pray. Be thankful. Listen to the prophets among them who are filled with the Holy Spirit. In short, be excellent to each other. Paul ends the letter with a little prayer for his friends in Thessalonica. He hopes that God will make them holy and awesome and that they'll be in good shape when Jesus comes again. He also asks them to pray for him. And presumably, presumably Sylvanus and Timothy too. Grace and peace may the force be with you. Thank you very much for that. Anyway, so everybody turn to your Bibles now. It's going to be First Thessalonians chapter 5. And it's teaching concerning the day of the Lord. Now, as to the times and the epochs, brethren, you have no need of anything to be written to you, for you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. While they are saying peace and safety, then destruction will come upon them suddenly, like a labor pains upon a woman with child, and they will not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, and that day would overtake you like a thief, for you are all sons and and well, and are not in darkness that day that would overtake you like a thief. So I just had to read that again. For you are all sons of the light and sons of day, and we are not of the night nor of darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober. For those who sleep do their sleeping at night, and those who get drunk get drunk at night. But since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, for, for, but for obtaining salvation through Lord Jesus Christ, he, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, he, we will live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another, just as you are also doing. I really love that part. So let's read 510 again. Who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. Remember, he's reminding us that we're all going to live together with Jesus. Okay, so now we're at 12. Teaching concerning various duties. 
But we request of you, brethren, that you will appreciate those who diligently labor among. Excuse me for one moment. And have charge over you in the Lord and give you instructions. And that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help with the weak, be patient with everybody else. See that no one repays another for evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. Rejoice always, praise without ceasing, and in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances. But examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you. Hello, I'm sorry about that. Uh, it said network was busy and I was dropped. So let's just read the, the last because he's saying goodbye to the Thessalonians once again. So let's go back to... Uh, First Thessalonians 5, and uh, we're on verse 26. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss, and I adjure you by the Lord to have his letter read to all the brethren. And the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. I don't know. I really like that letter. It's telling us a lot. It's telling us about how Paul, you know, he's, of course, writing from jail and uh, how he still was concerned about everybody else. Okay, let's go back to the notes, and it goes, the day of the Lord. An extended period of time, beginning with the tribulation and including the events of the second coming of Christ and the millennial kingdom on earth. And then uh, here Paul focuses on the beginning of that day, which will begin unexpectedly like a thief in the night. And And then the darkness is a figure of the unbeliever's moral state and separation from God. And uh, the sleep is not physically, but mostly morally. And then 5-9, it calls it that wrath, is the anguish and tribulation associated with the beginning of the day of the Lord and from what the believer is to be delivered. And then believers need to be alert, sober, and self-disciplined, encouraging and edifying others. And church leaders should should labor, be, preside, and admonish over theirs and their, those in their charge and then the church members should appreciate, esteem, and live in peace, each other, and hold each other in high esteem. And unruly, better the idol who had given up working because they expect their Lord's return too soon. Everybody, don't wait. Go, just go to work and do what you're supposed to be doing. And then um, uh, this is the shortest verse in the New, Greek New Testament. We rejoice in the Lord, and that is in the gospel and other spiritual growth. And without ceasing, the word is used here for hacking cough. Like Paul prayed thus for, thus for the Thessalonians, like he was uh, just praying and praying and praying till he was sick. Anyway, the Holy Spirit is often likened to the fire, and the Spirit is quenched whenever his ministry is stifled in an individual or in the church. And the prophecy is the ability to deliver direct revelation from God. And it says, then uh, 5, 23 through 24 says, spirit and soul and body should not be understood as defining the parts of a man, but as representing the whole man. And the holy kiss, and for the kiss is a symbol of welcome in the Jewish life. 
as a symbol of Christian fellowship. And that comes to the end of that letter. So we're going to actually start in Second Thessalonians, and uh, that's also, also the author is Paul. And then that letter will be, uh, this letter was sent by Paul to the church of Thessalonica not long after First Thessalonians to meet a new situation. The word had reached Paul that somehow there had been a misunderstanding, if not misrepresentation, of his teaching concerning the coming of the day of the Lord. Some thought that his judgments had already begun, yet they understood Paul to have taught that they would be exempt from those judgments. The practical ramification of this doctrinal confusion was that, that some, thinking the end of the world was at hand, had stopped working and were creating an embarrassing situation. And Paul corrects his teaching and, and reprimands the idlers. So it's not an excuse to quit, quit your job. So keep working, working on the, the behalf of the Lord. So I'm going to pick a story out this morning. In our good and trusty and beloved uh, guideposts and best of beloved stories, and we do really love these stories, and I try not to pick anything ahead in advance. And so let's just see. Big, dream Big Dreams. This is by Doris Toppin, North Bend, Washington. Barb Dredron still remembers the phone call that spring morning in 1986. It would change her life. Mrs. Mrs. Dredgen, the woman on the other line, end of the line said, I'm from the Department of Social and Health Services. I know that you and your husband have had many foster children in your home. I wonder if you'd be willing to help us. How, said Barb. We're seeing more and more drug-addicted babies born in the University of Washington Hospital, and we need someone to advise a program for them and uh, care for them. Can you understand that? And I think we've read this story a couple times. Uh, let me see. Let me try another one. Okay, let's start. Let's start with this one. I'm sorry about that. Uh, we read that one a couple times. So this is another one. With every step she took, and this is Pat Van Dyke, Canyon Lake, California. Life had been a constant uphill battle for their daughter Mary, but now, as I watched her carefully step down a set of bleachers at her high school homecoming football game, I felt nothing but pride. The captain of the football team, Brian Robertson, extended his hand, and Mary reached for it. She had come a long, long way. Mary's struggle began on July morning 18 years ago. She entered the world at the Loma Linda University Medical Center at 10.30 a.m. and was immediately rushed to intensive care. Twenty minutes later, we were visited by our obstetrician and neonatalist. Your daughter is severely handicapped, the doctor said. What's wrong, we asked. I'm afraid we can't give you all the details yet. We were told, we'll have to do a complete examination. The examination test and x-ray revealed that Mary had a number of physical and neurological disorders. She was missing a hip on one side and had dislocated hip on the other. She had a club feet, a faulty valve in her heart, curvature of the spine, hearing loss, a short left femur, and a muscle disorder in jaundice. Why would the Lord allow a child to be born with so many problems? I wanted to know. I asked my husband, Peter. He was a minister and had worked tirelessly for his church. We have served God faithfully. Why would he do this to us? Why not? He asked gently but firmly. What makes you think we're so special that this would not happen to us? The next Sunday, while Mary was still in the hospital, Peter chose a passage in the Gospel of John for his sermon. In it, the disciple asked, Why a man was born blind? 
And before he healed the man, Jesus replied that the works of God should be made manifest in him. That was the answer to my question. We would pray that the glory of God be made manifest in our daughter. The entire congregation prayed for Mary. But as the weeks went by, when we thought we were making progress, we were pushed back. Mary developed apnea, a condition that made her stop breathing. A doctor stood by her side 24 hours a day and performed mouth-to-mouth resuscitation up to 20 times an hour. A CAT scan revealed underdeveloped areas of her brain, and no one would say if she would even be able to hold her head up. When she was seven weeks old, Mary was released from the hospital, and we drove home with a backseat filled with hospital equipment. What we do not know is that the doctors had agreed that Mary would not live beyond six months. Mary's struggle to prove them wrong had begun. By the age of two, Mary had been in the operating room 12 times. We often grew weary of trips to the hospital, but continued in the fight. Mary's sister, Alice, was only three years older, helped to her accomplish the impossible. When the therapist said that Mary would never be able to crawl, Alice taught her how to climb an entire flight of stairs. When we were warned that Mary would not be able to stand, Alice taught her to pull herself up by the side of the sofa. When we were told that the two-and-a-half-year-old Mary would never walk, Alice helped her take her first unaided steps. I can do it myself, Mary said. No, Alice corrected. Jesus is showing you. One day I lifted Mary in my arms to climb up a steep hill. As soon as I set her down, she hurried back to the starting point and climbed up herself. See, she said, Jesus is showing me how to do it myself. At the age of three, Mary was eligible to be placed in a state-funded educational program for the handicapped, but we insisted on mainstreaming her, so we enrolled her in a private school where I would also be able to find a teaching job, which I was grateful to be close to her every day. The doctors had predicted that she was a slow learner, but at the age of five, she entered the regular kindergarten class. Graduation took place with Mary in full body cast, pulled down the aisle in a red wagon by her best friend. In first and second grade, she excelled in all academic subjects, but the physical struggle continued. Unable to do all things, Mary still wanted to be part of every activity her friends did. The simple news of the school Willis-Gain party brought tears. The friends of dreams excuse me, brought tears. The dream of someday becoming a cheerleader only resulted in frustration. I watched the pain across her face each time her classmate stared at her or forgot to hold the door open for her. At playtime, Mary was always the last chosen for any game, but she played with fiery determination. The teenage years came quickly, and I remember the one night when we arrived at neighbor's pool for Mary's swimming party therapy. Mary heard the sounds of a party from the adjoining house in the home of one of her friends. Why wasn't I invited, she asked, and I had no answer. When I was offered a teaching position in another school, we decided that Mary would also change schools. It meant that having the battle to battle the stairs, questions, and comments of a new set of students, but she was ready for this fight. That September, Mary became a 10th grader at the Riverside Christian High School. The students there were unusually inquisitive, but they were also understanding. What happened to you, they asked. Have you always been this way? Will you get better? They soon came to admire her independence and humor. When she went swimming, they noticed the scars on her legs from all the operations. What happened to your legs, one girl asked Mary. An alligator bit me, she replied, and the other students laughed. 
special allowances are made to give her time enough to get to her classes. Teachers made it a policy to speak of her handicaps only when she was present. The other students planned activities in which Mary could take part. Her height of four feet eight was accepted. The five-inch buildup in her left shoe was viewed as just Mary's shoe. Whenever she fell, which happened frequently, a student was at hand to help her stand and continue on her way. Even though there's no separation between her thumbs and index fingers, Mary won the award as best typist. In her senior year, she was editor of the yearbook and secretary of the student body, a member of the honor society in her third class. Some of her handicaps will never be corrected, but we will continue to be awed by her faith and determination. Though Mary, through Mary, we have learned more about God's grace than we ever thought possible. Her father and sister and I are not the only ones touched by this extraordinary child. Her indomitable spirit has inspired our community. Our church has grown dramatically, and as the members have watched Mary overcome many of her handicaps and adapt to others, their faith has grown. God's good works have been made manifest. And here's a closing note. Mary strained to reach Brian's outstretched hand. He lifted. He helped her lift her billowing dress as her hair blew in the wind. The two walked to the center of the football field, and the crowd cheered. The words came over the loudspeakers, presenting our 1994 homecoming queen, Mary Van Dyke. The crowd roared, and tears rolled down my cheeks. The crowd was placed on Mary's head. The crown was placed on Mary's head. Brian lifted her into his arms and carried her off the field. Well, I wonder what happened. Anyway, I just want to thank you all for listening. You know, and God bless you in every way. And whatever our failings, whatever our, our lack, and whatever our handicaps, we just keep having faith in God. That God will help us. You know, uh, having pain, it's hard to overcome. But remember, keep praying. Keep praying for God to help you with each uh, each thing he has a lesson to teach us. Whatever our circumstances, keep praying and never give up your faith. And also wait on God. We've had lots of lessons here to help us today, and I want to thank you very much for being here to listen and also listening in archives, and I thank you very much. So let's do our closing prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Please come back next week and bring your friends, and God bless you and your family. Love you very much. And if you're alone, remember you're never really alone. In closing, may God bless and keep you in his loving arms so that you may have the strength to face whatever is ahead. You are never alone. God loves you and I love you. And may your best dreams come true and true love live in your heart. Remember, if you have any concerns, message me, request for prayers, or if you need to discuss something, find my friends and happy trails to you. Have a great week and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.